All right, let's open up to First Chronicles chapter 28 tonight. All right, as we're getting towards the end of uh, the book of First Chronicles, we're going to see David starting to turn over the kingdom to Solomon to rule over Israel. Uh, we kind of started speaking last week about him setting up the Levites and the priests and, and getting the temple all in order, and we're going to continue basically on that same same uh, area tonight. So we're going to start in verse 1. It says, Now David assembled at Jerusalem all the leaders of Israel, the officers of the tribes, and the captains of the divisions who served the king, the captains over thousands, the captains over hundreds, and the stewards over all the sub, uh, substance and possessions of the king and his sons, with officials, the valiant men, and all the mighty men of valor. Then King David rose to his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren and my people. I had it in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God, and had made preparations to build it. So towards the end of David's uh, reign, he calls all the important people of Israel together. Uh, and it says here that he stood in their midst. Often kings would not stand when they go to make a proclamation. They would sit on their thrones. So this is a, a big, important message to David that he was about to put out to the people. And I think his aim here was, was for them to understand the massive task that was about to come before him in building this temple. Because we know the, the building of the temple consumed David. I'm pretty sure he thought about it night and day, that, that this temple had to be built. So he was make, making all these preparations for Solomon to, be, uh, to be, be able to build it once he was gone. And it goes on to say that he wanted to build this house of rest for God. But we know in verses in chapter 17, God told him that he didn't want a place of rest. He, he was good with the tents that he was in because he's, he would move with the people. He would move before Israel to take them where they needed to go. And then he would also share in that rest with them as well whenever it was time to rest. So God wasn't really wanting David to build this temple, but David had, was so set on building it and, and doing this uh, for the Lord, that it really, really consumed his every thought. And uh, God was going to allow the temple to be built because it was such on the heart of, of David to do so. And we see him starting to spread that message out to the other people, all the generals, all the uh, men of valor, all the uh, people. He even says here that, that for his people, his brethren and his people. And David would use that, that saying to basically say, yes, I'm the king. But you are my people, you are my brother, and I am with you in this. He was not like lording over them in things. He was letting them know that we are all Israel and that this is the, this is the mission that you're going to have going forward with my son Solomon and getting this temple uh, built up. So in verse 3 it says, But God said to me, You shall not build a house for my name, because you have been a man of war and have shed blood. However, the Lord God of Israel chose me above all the houses of my father to be king over Israel forever. For he had chosen Judah to be the ruler. And of the house of Judah, the house of my father, and among the sons of my father, he was pleased with me to, take me, uh, to make me king over all Israel. And all my sons... 
For the Lord had, uh, has given me many sons. He has chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord of Israel. Now he said to me, it is yours, it is your son Solomon who will build my house and my courts. For I have chosen him to be my son and I will be his father. Moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever. If he is steadfast to observe my commandments and my judgment as is this day. Now, therefore, in the sight of all of Israel, the assembly of of the Lord, and in the hearing of our God, be careful to seek out all the commandments of the Lord your God, that you may possess this good land and leave it as an inheritance for the children after you forever. So we see here, Starting in verse 3, that he talked about David wasn't going to build the temple because there was blood on his hands. He had shed a lot of blood. And a lot of this blood was shed in preparation for getting this temple built. It wasn't necessarily that David was too full of sin to be able to do this because a lot of the battles he raged it was ordained by the Lord to do. He sent David out for a lot of these battles. So it wasn't like he was shedding this blood without instructions at times. So... But because of the preparation and because of the blood that was shed, the Lord wasn't going to allow um, David to build, this, uh, to build this temple. And remember, God was talking about, about the future with Jesus being the Prince of Peace and being the one who would rule in peace one day. So he was going to wait for Solomon, in a sense, to be able to build this temple who had a pretty peaceful reign as the, uh, the king of Israel. And he was using that as an example of how his earthly reign with Jesus Christ was going to be a, a, a reign of peace and a reign, a reign to where people will be able to come together as one. And we'll see that in the future. But uh, here he was going to have Solomon being the one who was going to build this temple. And I think, too, when David goes on in verse 4, he talks about that he was the one that, that God chose for him to be the king, and that Judah was the one that was, that was going to be the line in which the kings were going to come. And, and we see that here, but we know that through all of this, ultimately, the king that he was talking about to serve eternally was going to be Jesus. It wasn't going to be just David and Solomon, even though they were chosen by God to be the kings of Israel at this particular time. We know ultimately... He's speaking of the Prince of Peace that's, that was to come in the future, which is our Lord and Savior. Amen. All right. Verse 5. He continues on talking about his sons and how he, was, how he was chosen. And we just talked about how God chose Solomon, chose David to be king. But then we see after that, it goes into the normal uh, succession of, of kings. The firstborn would be the king. Then the next firstborn would be the king. And it kind of got away from it looks like God choosing, even though God was ultimately in control of who the kings of Israel were going to be and exactly which direction these kings would eventually go. And in verse 6, it talks about that he was going to build, he goes, build my house and my courts. And David's obviously talking about the temple. But we know whenever he had talked to David in, in uh, chapter 17, he wasn't talking about a physical house made of cedar or made of bricks and mortar. He was talking about a spiritual house, the house of God, and how he was going to build that through David and how he was going to constantly have someone on the throne that was part of David's lineage. 
And I think David was getting a little confused on, on the type of house um, that God was talking about. David was so fixated on building this physical temple or this physical house for the Lord that he lost track of the spiritual aspect of it. That God was wanting to build a spiritual kingdom through David. He was wanting to build a spiritual lineage through David, not a house that was made with, with materials we use here on earth. And I think David kind of lost track of that or maybe didn't quite understand <laughs> what God was trying to tell him when he was speaking to him about it. But he was going to build, build that, that house through Solomon. And that was uh, why there was the provisions that Solomon would be so steadfast to observe his commandments. In verse 7 it says, Moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever. And then there's a stipulation there. If he is steadfast to observe my commandments and my judgments as it is this day. And remember in First and Second Kings, talk about obeying my statutes and my commandments. We constantly said that. And if we think it, we use if these kings would have obeyed the commandments and if they would have followed God's statutes, would things have been different in Israel? Ultimately, we know God knows the beginning from the end, so he sees how all this plays out. But I, I can almost guarantee if they would have followed the ways of the Lord, some of those things would have turned out differently. The Lord would have blessed what they have done. And it's the same thing here that he's trying to, David's trying to tell Solomon, follow the commands of the Lord and all will go well. Was David perfect? He wasn't. We know he wasn't. But they said that David was a man after God's own heart. He would never depart from God. And we see later that Solomon would depart from God, that he wouldn't follow the commands, he wouldn't follow the statute, he wouldn't even repent in some, in some areas to where he can be blessed by God. And that's where Israel kind of started going down the tube after that, after uh, Solomon, and we see the split that will come up and all that. But David is telling him, if you would just follow his commands, follow his statutes, listen to what the Lord has, and everything will go well. And then Jesus even says about the temple, how we talk about David fixated on this temple so much. Jesus, who would later point out that it was the very temple that would become the, uh, an obstacle to Israel when it comes to worship. You, you would see them saying everyone has to go worship at the temple. Everyone has to go worship at the temple. But the Lord said that, that you need to worship me in spirit and truth. That is not a building that we need to go to to worship. He says, he says even again in John that, that God had replaced it by the, the, the temple itself with Jesus, who was the living temple. We worship in spirit and truth. We don't worship a building or in a building. This is not the only place we need to come and meet God. We need to meet God in all areas and aspects of our life and not make these buildings or this temple an object of our worship. And David was starting to get to that point where he was so concerned about that temple and didn't realize that God just wanted the pure worship out of his heart, not necessarily a place for God to rest. In verse 8, it says that David now directs his words towards all the people who had gathered. And in the hearing of God, he commands them to observe and keep all the commandments of God. So not only does Solomon need to keep the commandments of God, all of Israel needed to make sure they kept the commandments of God as well. Because these were God's people, his chosen ones. So we see David starting to, to put forth that command as well, to obey the word of God. And in verse 9 it says, As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of our father, 
and serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches the hearts and understands all the intent and thoughts. If you seek him, he will, he will, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you out forever. Now David was pretty, pretty optimistic about what was going to happen in the future. Hey, God chose me to be king. Solomon, he's choosing you to be the next king. I see a bright future for us. And, and, and he's telling him that, hey, this promise depends on your obedience to God. I mean, it's written through all these books, the obedience to God. And as believers, we should want to be obedient to God. There should be nothing else on our mind but being obedient to God. And when we're not, we should repent of that disobedience. And we see that he's saying here, and he's turning now to his son Solomon and urging him to develop a true knowledge of God. David had gone through a long life with, with God and seen the, the miracles that, that God had worked out and, and seeing how you can truly trust God from being called to be king when he was a little boy to having to go through the battles with Saul and then finally uniting the kingdom. He's seen God's faithfulness. So that faith was built up, and now he's trying to pass that on to Solomon, telling him, know God just as I know God. And he's trying to pass that on to Solomon now. And Solomon was to serve him with a perfect heart and a willing mind and knowing that he would, he would hide nothing from God. And those who, of us who are, are born-again believers and sealed by the Holy Spirit, that should be one of our top priorities and wants is to serve God because we know him. We've all been through something in our life that has built our faith up. Something in our life that has shown that God is faithful. And those who, 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 who call themselves Christians and, and, and don't seem to want to serve the Lord, that they feel like it's a chore just to do the things of God, or they're real legalistic about the things they do, they may have never known God. Because I believe when you've come to true faith in God and you've, you've witnessed God and you've experienced who God is, you're going to do nothing more but serve him. And so he's telling Solomon here to serve God, to know who God is, to know the true and living God. In Daniel 11.32 it says, We read that the people who know their God shall be strong and do great things. And at the end of verse 9 it says, But if you forsake him, he will cast you out forever. And how many people cast, uh, how many people forsake God in their lives? Even when God's standing right in their face, open arms wanting to save them, they'll still forsake him. And the end of that verse tells you what happens. They're, they're cast out forever. So there's people out there that are being cast out by God right now just because they don't want to serve and they don't want to obey and they don't want him as Savior. And they're making that choice to do so. All right, in verse 10, it says, Consider now, uh, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Uh, be strong and do it. David here has a planned his own ambitions and is trying to put those ambitions on his son now. Hey, you're, you're the one we're going to hand this torch off to. You're the one that's going to do this great thing for God. And, and, and he's wanting to, David's almost wanting to see his dreams fulfilled through Solomon. 
You know, some of us as parents, we often may have had a dream in our life that didn't come true, but we want to see our children be able to achieve those dreams sometimes, even if it's not their own. <laughs> that happens from time to time. So we see David wanting to pass that on to him, telling Solomon he was the, the one who's going to be choosing to be the, uh, build the physical temple. And we as believers, we need to build the spiritual temple of God and continue to do that. Verse 11 says, then David gave his son uh, Solomon the plans for the vestibules, its houses, its treasures, its upper chambers, its inner chambers, and the places of uh, the mercy seat. And the plans for all that he had uh, by the spirit of the courts of the house of the Lord, of all the chambers all around, of the treasures of the house of God and the treasuries uh, for the dedicated things. Also for the division of the priests and the Levites, for all the work of the service of the house of the Lord, and for all the uh, articles of service in the house of the Lord. He gave gold by weight for things of gold, for the articles used in uh, every kind of service. Also silver for the articles of silver by weight for all articles used in every kind of service. Verse 15, the weight for the lampstands of gold. And the lamps of gold, by weight for each lampstand and its lamps. For the lampstands of silver, by weight for the lampstands uh, stand and its lamps, according to the use of each lampstand. And by the weight, uh, and by the weight, he gave gold for the tables of the sh- of the showbread for each table, and silver for the table uh, tables of silver. Also, pure gold for the forks, the basins, the pitchers of pure gold, and the gold bowls. He gave gold by weight for every bowl, and for the silver bowls, silver by weight for every bowl. And refined gold for the weight of the altar of incense, and for the construction of the chariot, that is, the gold cherubim that spread their wings uh, and overshadow the ark of the covenant of the Lord. All this, uh, said David, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me. All the works of these plans. So now we see David start to unfold the plans before Solomon and before his people, because he's still talking to his people as well, of all the things that were going to be done. All the details. And remember when we went through our first Kings, we talked about all these details and all the gold that Solomon had and all these articles. David definitely did his job in preparing the temple. He left nothing uncovered or unturned. He went all out to make sure that, he, that Solomon was set up for success when it comes to building uh, this temple. In verse 12, it says that he gave him the pattern for the courts of the house of God and for the surrounding chambers, including all the treasuries. And it talks about the dedicated things. That was where all the supplies were stored at for this temple. Then he also gave him the pattern for the courses of the priests and Levites, which we had just read in the previous chapters, we're giving the, uh, the duties to the Levites, giving the duties to the priests, and how they would work together in harmony to be able to serve inside the temple. Whether they were gatekeepers or they were going to work in the uh, courts or whether they are going to work in the inner chambers, David had set all these plans up. David also provided gold and silver, uh, which would be needed for many different kinds of vessels. Uh, so whatever needed gold, the gold was there. Whatever he needed for silver, the silver was there. They talk about the lampstands. And if you remember, a while back we talked about those who would worship day and night for the Lord. 
these lampstands were going to be there for them to be able to see at night and to be able to continue their worship unto the Lord because that was the service that they were, these Levites were given, was to be able to worship the Lord day and night. It wasn't necessarily to serve the other people in the temple, but their service was strictly unto the Lord to give worship to him. And they were able to use these lampstands lamp stands for that. He provided the gold that would be needed in making all the tables for the showbread and the silver and the tables that would be uh, required to be outside the holy place as well. So David, David did a good job in uh, furnishing all this. He gave all the gold that would be used for the, the basins and the cups and the flesh hooks whenever the, the uh, time of sacrifice would come up and they had to deal with these big pieces of meat. He provided everything for that. Uh, all this, David, all this, and David assured Solomon, uh, he had learned this from the writing from the hand of God. That this was passed on to him from God, kind of like when Moses got the instruction from God for the tabernacle. We see David kind of saying that he got these instructions from God to build this temple. So in verse 20, it says, And David said to his son Solomon, Be strong and of good courage and do, uh, and do it. Kind of like Nike, just do it. Do not fear nor be dismayed, for the Lord God, my God, will be with you. He will not leave nor forsake you until you have uh, finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. Remember in chapter 22, David was encouraging young Solomon uh, in a private meeting with him to be of courage and to, to not be, to be afraid because the Lord God is with him. Now he's doing this in the open to everybody before the whole nation of Israel, all the mighty men, all the captains, all the servants are seeing this charge being passed on to Solomon kind of opening their eyes to, hey, this is going to be the next king. Do what he says. This is the one who's going to rule. This is my son chosen by God to be the very next king. And he's giving them that encouragement. And he kind of uses how Joshua uh, 1, 5 through 7, be, be of courage and do not be afraid, kind of giving them that same speech that, hey, you're about to go into something that's unknown, just like Joshua was going into the promised land that was unknown to him. In all of Israel, Solomon was about to take on a task that was unknown to him. From the temple being built to running a kingdom, sure, he may have seen David do it, but this is still going to be a new venture for him. And and here we see David just giving encouragement to his son. Hey, you're going into a new world. I'm not going to be here with you, but my God is going to be here with you. And my God is going to keep you. And my God is going to help you to, to be able to do these tasks that lay ahead. So it all goes back to the other verses we were talking about. Follow his commands. Know the Lord God. Know him. And he's going to take care of you. And he's going to lead you into, into, into the future of what you need to do. So we see David once again encouraging young Solomon, letting him know to lean on the Lord, to follow those commandments, follow those statutes. And in verse 21, it says, Here are the divisions of the priests and the Levites for all the service of the house of God, and every willing craftsman will be with you for all manner of work, uh, workmanship. For every kind of service, also the leaders and all the people will be com- uh, completely at your command. So he's basically, the chain of command, uh, change of command is happening right now. They were, they were there for me. They served me. They're going to serve you 
as well. So he assured Solomon that he would have all the help he needed. All the courses of the priests and Levites uh, would assist him. He had all the people who would have all the artisans, all the people with special skills were going to come in who were woodworkers, masons, you name it. They were coming in to help him build this temple and build this kingdom uh, to what we'll see it will turn out to be. Um, and, the, and the one thing I can get from this with David providing is God provides for his people. Ultimately, God provides everything we need and will ever need in our lives. And uh, sometimes as a matter of waiting. We've seen David waiting to become king from a young boy to, to the age he is now. It was a waiting game and just trusting God. And many of us have to wait a long time for things to come to pass. But it's all in God's timing, which is perfect timing. And all the provision that David gave to Solomon to build this temple, God's given us all the provision we need to build our temple up. The temple of God, to, to be able to worship him with, with truth and, and to worship him truly with our, with our hearts and our minds and our souls. So that provision is there, and we see David providing Solomon uh, with that here. So next week we'll get into chapter 29 of uh, First Chronicles, which will be our last chapter, and we'll be done with First Chronicles, and we'll jump into Second Chronicles after that. Amen? All right. Father, we uh, thank you, Lord, for this time tonight, and we... Though it's a short chapter, Lord, we, there, there's a lot, lot to glean from there, Father. And that uh, just knowing that trusting you and obeying you is the best thing for us, Lord. Often we have problem with authority, but let us never have problem with your authority, Father. Let us follow it, Father. Uh, but we do thank you for that. We thank you for all the provision you've given us throughout our lives, the blessings you've given us, and just uh, the faithfulness that you've given us, Father. We thank you for that. We just ask for your uh, mercies on our life. Ask for your blessings for the people here tonight and uh, safe travels back to their home. In Jesus' name, amen.